The following is a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. For more information or other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com. Amen. You may be seated today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 14, verse 6. John chapter 14, verse 6. As I said, we're going to begin a new series today called Reset. And we all need at different times in our life to kind of just reset our lives. Um, Sometimes there's just some things going on. We've kind of gotten in a little bit of a funk. Y'all ever get in a funk? You just get in a funk emotionally. You get in a funk in your thought process. You get in a funk with your relationship. And you're just kind of in this funky time. And sometimes we just need to hit a reset button and just kind of start fresh. Now, one of the things I want to encourage you is I'm not encouraging you to quit your job or to quit on a relationship that you're in. You know, if you've got some, some people in your life that you're not married to that are really dragging you down, maybe God is speaking to you about a fresh start. Maybe, maybe there's just some, uh, a, a job that you're in that God's maybe leading you to something different. Those things are awesome, but you've got to figure out what the reset is in your life. And just so you know, we all have to have resets in our lives. We just have to have those fresh starts taking place in our life. In fact, with your smartphone, um, if you ever have problems with it, one of the first t- things they'll tell you is, have you restarted your phone lately? You know, did you, did you restart it? Did you get a, a fresh uh, perspective for your phone by the downloads that have been there and all the things that, that they have been updating in it? Same with your computer. So I want to encourage you to, to make a choice to reset your life because it's not fun when other people reset your life. Now, I've had to reset my boy's life a couple of times. Had to have some conversations with them about attitude or behavior. And in doing that, I helped reset their life. My wife's had to reset my life a couple of times and talk to me about my behavior. And it's not as much fun for someone else to reset your life as it is for you to make a choice to reset your own life. One of the, the things that the philosophies or concepts or thought processes that I like is that today is the first day of the rest of your life. This moment that you're in right now is the first moment of many moments of the rest of your life. And sometimes we get in this funky place, again, where there's a bunch of things jacking with us, and we keep dragging our past into our present, and so our past isn't our past, it's our present. And I believe what God wants to do is he wants to breathe fresh life into you all the time. In fact, one of the things that I think that all of us as followers of Jesus Christ need to be constantly resetting in our lives is our understanding about who Jesus really is. See, there's a concept and a philosophy that comes from the world that is constantly talking about God being mean or God being disappointed or God is this angry God. And and when you begin to look at the Word of God and begin to unpack the Word of God, you begin to understand how perfectly God loves you. But if you're always seeing it through the the lens of anger and you're always seeing it through the the lens of of the way the world is trying to help you see God, that's how you'll continue to see God. But if you'll reset your life to say, God, I believe in you. I believe in your goodness. You know, you get to choose what it is you believe. By making choices to live the life of faith, it begins to change everything. So I want to look this morning at resetting our lives about the way that we see Jesus And in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus answered and said to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. Now Jesus is in the middle of this long dissertation where he's talking about his kingdom and about he and the Father being one. And he says this, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father 
except through me. Now, when Jesus makes this statement that I am the way, he's not one of many ways, it raises a lot of questions in the mind of a lot of people. In the lives of believers, believers begin to wonder, Jesus, are you really the only way? Non-saved people that don't know Jesus Christ wondering, Jesus, are you really the only way? Are, are you the only way? What about people who haven't ever heard of Jesus? What about people that are just, they're morally good people? Jesus, are you really the only way? And probably more than anything else, it really is a question about God. What we're trying to wrap our minds as, as finite beings around an infinite God. Just, just so you can kind of wrap your mind around that, we as finite beings, limited understanding, are, are trying to wrap our minds around a God who has unlimited potential, unlimited grace, unlimited mercy, unlimited love. It's hard for us sometimes to figure out, God, how, how do you operate? How do you work? And to be honest with you, for me as a finite being, it's hard for me to fully explain to you and fully help any of us understand an infinite God. But it's a question about God. The question really is, is does God really care? I mean, when we're saying, Jesus, are you really the only way? We're really saying, God, do you really care? Or probably even more than that, God, do you really care more than us? Because we seem to care about the answer to that question, but God, do you care more than any of us? And it seems to be the fundamental question is, is God more caring? Is God more interested? Is God more concerned? Is God more compassionate? Is God more loving? Is he more proactive in relationship and in regard to the human condition than us? Does God care more than you and I care? Because if the word of God is right, and it is, that all of humanity was separated from God because of sin, and that our eternity is decided based upon how we deal with that issue of sin, we have to understand that God does care because God cared enough to send his one and only son that whosoever, not based upon social status, not based upon riches, not based upon good behavior, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. See, if you recognize and understand that God cares, then you realize that God is probably more concerned in this area than we are. We live in a world where almost anything that you would like to have and almost anything you would like to do, there are multiple choices. When you, when you want to buy a car, you get to choose what kind of a car, a big car, small car, expensive car, cheap car. When you buy clothes, you get to choose what you're wearing, so don't blame the person you're sitting by for what you're wearing today. Unless your wife dressed you, and then you can blame her later. But we get these choices, and so when we're faced with a scripture like John 14, 6, that Jesus is the way, the only way, the one way, we all of a sudden have to deal with there being only one way to God. And I'm amazed at how many people who are not followers of Jesus Christ, when you start talking about Jesus being the way, the question that they always like to bring up is what about people that are in the jungles of Africa? And I'm always amazed about people who don't know Christ are concerned about the people in the jungles of Africa. It always seems to be the question. And I do think it's an important question. I know I'm joking a little today, but it is an important question, especially as it relates to this issue of salvation, forgiveness, eternity because what I think that they're trying to express through this question and I think what believers of Jesus Christ are, are trying to figure out about the God that they put their faith in is does God really care 
Is God really concerned about all of humanity? Or does he just care for some and he's totally indifferent to others? And sometimes when Christians hear that question, what about the people in the jungles of Africa? What about Hindus? What about Muslims? What about Buddhists? Unfortunately, we have a tendency to answer in a way that's very defensive and angry and say, I'm sorry, but Jesus is the only way. We come across that way way too much. And what we don't realize is that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are communicating that we are the least caring people on the planet. The way that we respond sometimes and that everyone else is concerned about everyone else, but we just don't seem to care as long as we and ours are okay. As long as we're doing okay. And I think that when people are asking that question, we are missing the heart that is behind the question, that they're wondering again, does God really care? They're they're wondering, is God better than you and I? Because a lot of times we feel that we're more caring, that we're more concerned about these people than God does. See, if we don't begin with the fact that God cares and that he is love, that it's his character and that it's his nature, everything else that you look at in life becomes skewed. When you don't understand the perfect love of God, which, by the way, it's a constant, ongoing revelation in our lives. So if you ever feel like, well, I I get that God loves me, Pastor, let's move on. I promise you've forgotten part of it. You've forgotten part of it. That's why doubt comes into our life. That's why fear comes into our life. That's why unbelief about the situation we're facing now, we're going, okay, God, what's going on? God's going, look, man, I know the beginning from the end. I haven't lost track of you. I know what's going on in your life, and I promise I care more about you in this situation than you do. So God cares about humanity more than we do. And I think it's a shame that for whatever reason, sometimes the world thinks that God doesn't care. And I think a a lot of human race has an abundance mentality. I think that a lot of people, especially in churches, man, today, they're filled with the goodness of God. They have this abundance mindset where they they want everyone to win. I'm not for that in athletics, by the way, just so you know. I don't think every kid should get a trophy, a participant trophy. You can argue with that if you want. I think that you should try to win first prize, second prize, third prize, all right? It's just the way that I was raised. I lost a lot of things growing up. Just so you know, it didn't damage my self-esteem. What it did is it caused me to work harder. Now, I'm not saying, Mom and Dad, you yell at your kids. I feel like i got to qualify things here, just in case. (laughs) I'm not saying that if your kids don't do well, that you yell at them and say, Come on, dirtbag, you got to want it more. (laughs) He's four years old in flag football, all right? Help him out. But we we want everyone to win. I I think that's awesome. But I also know there's some people that have a scarcity mentality. They think in order for them to win that you have to lose. And so when you have this conversation about is Jesus the only way, they're really not interested in a philosophical or a a, a religious understanding that's going on. What they're interested in is winning. Listen, I don't have a personal need for everyone else to be wrong that doesn't believe that Jesus is the only way. I, I want people to experience the love and the goodness of God. And so that should be the core motivation as we approach this scripture, that we want to experience God's love fully, but we also want others to experience God's love fully. Again, it's not about us being right and them being wrong. See, we have to realize that all religions are not the same. All so-called Christian beliefs are not the same. I know that we want them to be. 
That's why we're so quick to buy into when we hear something on the, on the TV, on the talk show from some doctor or some TV personality that it sounds good because it has a little bit of truth in it. That we buy into it, oh yeah, I'm all in. Yeah, it's not really about Jesus. It's really about me and my, my behavior and me struggling, me working hard. Or we buy into what we hear from some religious people, some, some pastors sometime, rather than digging into the Word of God. Listen, I, I'm glad that you're here today to hear the Word of God, but this should not be the only Word of God that you're digging into this week. In fact, the, the scriptures that I'm talking about now, you should be writing them down. You should be going, okay, I want to dig into this because I want to understand this. Listen, you and I need to be in conversations with other followers of Jesus Christ about the Word of God. Christianity is a personal thing, but it's not an isolated thing. We need to be in relationship, dialoguing, talking about, saying, hey, help me understand this. So that we have people that we love and they love us, so we can say, hey, listen, man, when you talk like that to people, that's not a good thing. It's not bringing about life to your life or other people's life. Now, just so you know, it doesn't mean when we get in small groups, we're all policing each other. But we need, to, we need to dig into the Word of God rather than just hearing what someone said and going, okay, I'm just assuming that that is true. Because see, even though we don't like where our choices are taking us in life, if you don't like where your choices are taking us, you, sometimes we don't recognize the reason why we're going that way is because we're not living our lives in alignment with the Word of God. Because the Word of God is a light for our path. It helps us how to understand and how to walk in the abundant life that God has for us. So even though sometimes we don't like where it's taking us, we don't recognize, again, our lives aren't lined up with the Word of God. And while our intentions are good, it's our choices, not our intentions, that are producing the results that we're currently getting and seeing in our lives. You all seeing this today? And I know that we want everything to be okay and everything to work out in the end. And I understand that. I am with that motivation. But not every path leads to God. You gotta hear that today, followers of Jesus Christ, because there is a universalism that's coming in that's just all about your own walk and you just do whatever you want. All paths don't lead to God. All paths don't lead to life. And no matter how much you and I may want it to be true, all paths don't lead to God. And I wish I could tell you today that everything works out okay in the end and you just choose to believe whatever you want it to believe and it's gonna be okay, but it won't. Jesus said, I am the way see it's about being connected with jesus it's about having a relationship with him it's not about religion see the the problem with religion is that religion typically falls into one of two categories they're either legalistic or they're fatalistic right one of those two categories they're either legalistic or they're fatalistic if they're legalistic it means that god is impersonal God's just kind of disconnected. It's not about a relationship. It's about rules and about regulations. So you have all of this criteria that you're trying to live up to and striving for. And if you do these things, only if you do these things, then God will accept you. Just so you know, that's not how it is with Jesus. And I have to say that today because some of you were raised like me, and you think that it's all about your striving, your performance, you do all the right things, and then Jesus is going to love you. They're legalistic. Sometimes they're fatalistic. Fatalism says that you really don't have any control over your destiny. That you're just kind of meandering through life. It's mapped out. It's pre-packaged. It's pre-planned. And you have this illusion of freedom of choice. But the truth of the matter is, is that you really don't have a choice. It's already been set in order. 
And what you'll find in these two views, they inform most organized religion. Whether it's Muslim, Buddha, um, Hindu, and, and much, unfortunately, of Christian religion. And the problem is, is that once something becomes a religion, it becomes either legalistic, you're trying to earn God's love, or it's fatalistic, it really doesn't matter. God's sovereign, you don't have a choice. So I want to walk you through this scripture today. So that as followers of Jesus Christ, when we're talking to people, and we're helping them understand that Jesus is the way. That we have reset our mind, that we can help reset their minds, so that they can understand why Jesus is the way. All right, y'all ready? Y'all ready? Okay, buckle up on this one. So we got to go back to the beginning in the book of Genesis, and it's about human choice. In, in fact, in Genesis 2, God creates man, and he places him in a garden. Now, one of these days, I want to see that, because that has got to be amazing. I mean, I know that you're like me. Here in Amarillo, we already feel like we live in the Garden of Eden. It's so beautiful here. Right? we got a rustic beauty, right? It's awesome here. And... Uh, Okay, you're not very convinced. Okay, but it was awesome. An incredible place. And God says, look, you can eat of all the trees. But then he gives them this warning in verse 16 and 17. It says, the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden. Listen, just for those of you that think with God that God has a scarcity mentality, that God is constantly trying to withhold from you and all this stuff, he tells Adam and Eve, you may freely freely how many of you like free you go out with somebody they buy your lunch i'm available about 12 30 today that you can freely eat of everything but he goes on except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil now watch this he's telling them why they can't eat if you eat its fruit you are sure to die hmm so god gives man a choice You can eat of all the trees in the garden, and if you eat of them, they're going to bring you life. But there's one tree. It's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from it, because it brings death. This is one of the core understandings of the scripture, that God creates you and I with the capacity and the freedom to choose. Things that are happening in your life, it's because you or someone else has the capacity and the freedom to choose. When, when mama ain't happy in, in my relationship, it's because I had the capacity and I had the freedom to choose. When, when I find myself dealing with some anxiety in my life, it's because I have the freedom and the capacity to choose. See, sometimes it's self-inflicted, sometimes it's inflicted by others, but it's always because of the freedom and the capacity to choose that God has given every one of us. So why would God do that? You ever wonder that question? I get, I get asked that from time to time. You know, if God was, knew we were going to make such a mess, right? Why did he give us the freedom to choose? Why didn't he just make us all robots? God, I love you. I worship you. I have to be honest with you. There are times when I'm preaching that I wish y'all were robots. And then as I was preaching, you'd just be going, Preach it, Richie! Okay, thank you, right. So why did God give us the freedom to choose? Well, some people say it was to glorify God. God gave us the freedom to choose so we could glorify God. Well, if that's the case, there are over 7 billion people on our planet, most of which are not glorifying God. So if that was God's plan, it's not working out very well. And besides that, the Bible says all creation declares his glory. 
That's why when you get out and go down to Paladero Canyon, part of the Garden of Eden, and you're down there, and you're just enjoying it, you're just going, wow, this is so amazing that God could create this. That God would do this. You just get wowed by the goodness of God. So all creation declares his glory. So honestly, God doesn't need you and I to glorify him. He even actually has perfect worship amongst himself. Not because he's schizophrenic, but the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit just have worship among themselves. It's powerful. But the primary reason why freedom must exist is for love to exist. You see, for love to exist, there has to be freedom to choose love. Again, I would hate for my wife to be robotically loving me. I'm glad that she does love me and that she chooses to love me. I'm glad that I get the freedom to to choose to love her. So for love to exist, there has to be freedom to choose love. And God created you and I with the ability to choose. And based upon what we choose, we either choose life or we choose death. Now, I'm not just talking about giving your life to Christ and that's what I'm talking about. And then after that, it's settled. I'm talking every moment. Every day, every conversation, every word that you say, every action, you're constantly choosing life or you're choosing death. Here's what it says in Deuteronomy 30. Jesus, or God's talking to the children of Israel and he says, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. God's giving us a choice, but he goes on to say, now choose life. So what we know at the core is that God's desire for humanity is for you and I to choose life. He's not going like this with life. Here's life. Here's life. Well, where is it? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Can you guess? Can you guess? Which hand? Which hand do you think life's in, huh? Oh, there it is. Oh, now it's over here, right? God's not doing that. He's saying, look, I'm sitting before you this choice. Choose life or choose death. Choose blessings or choose curse. Now, listen, why is God so dogmatic about this? I mean, why didn't God make multiple ways? Why didn't God just make it easy for us to do it? Why is it so important for us to choose him to live? Is, is it because he's so narrow-minded? Have you ever heard that said about Christians? That because we believe in Jesus being the only way that we're narrow-minded? Is it because he's narcissistic? He tells us why in verse, the rest of verse 19. So that you and your children may live. Why does God want us to choose life? So that you and your children may live. Why does God want us to make right choices instead of bad choices? So that you and your children may live. That you might discover life. So why is it God wants us to love, obey, choose, and listen to him? He says in verse 20, continuing on, for the Lord is your life. Now we can kind of brush past that really fast, but I want you to stop for just a moment, whatever it is you're thinking about that's other than what I'm saying, and pause for just a second and listen to that verse, for the Lord is your life. Follower of Jesus Christ, you are not your own. The Bible says that you've been bought with a price. And what we try to do is we try to work God into our lives rather than understanding that he is our life. That the Lord is your life. Listen, when we make mistakes, it's not that God is upset because you're filling in the wrong blanks. God's not upset because you chose answer C when the answer is A. It's not an issue of you having a lack of spiritual maturity or spiritual intellect that no matter how hard you try, you don't seem to get it. God is saying, look, I'm laying before you today life and death. He's given you the choice of life, just so you know. I'm laying before you life and death. You get to choose to live or to die. 
It's not, he's not saying that I want you to die. He's saying, but I am life. See, God's not telling us that he's going to kill us. You ever felt that way? Man, you had a bad week. Man, I, have, I tell you, when I used to not be under grace, that used to happen to me all the time. When I started riding a motorcycle, man, I would think about my week and how I'd done all week long. And the moment I began thinking, I'd been thinking, okay, is God going to punish me? Really? You begin to feel that way. You, something bad's going wrong in your life, and you start wondering, God, are you going to punish me? Listen, it's not saying he's going he's to kill you if you don't choose him. He's telling us that he is life. He's life. And choosing him is choosing life. See, it's like understanding the question, does darkness exist? Not really. All that darkness is, is the absence of light. So all that, that, that death is, is the absence of life. Are y'all picking up what I'm laying down today? Because I'm telling you, this is awesome. This will start helping you. It will change from Christianity being a have to to Christianity being a get to. Saying, God, thank you that you love me. That you provided a way for me to know life. See, and when we, by our wrong choices and our wrong decisions, and just so you know, we all make them. But we need to start learning how to understand that that's not life. God doesn't have those things. When we, when we have an absence of life, life that is truly found in God, all that remains is death. When we're not walking in the life-giving word of God, what remains is death. So if you think that God is going around punishing you all the time for your wrong choices, he's not. Wrong choices bring pain. And again, I mentioned it earlier about the, the fact that we have the freedom to choose and the capacity to choose. And wrong choices bring about pain. Wrong choices bring about death. When we aren't seeking life, death is built in. So when we aren't choosing him, by default, we are choosing death. Are you all picking up what I'm laying down today? It's powerful to understand. So when God created humanity, God breathed his breath of life into them. God is the source of life. Y'all got to hear that because we think we're kind of just sort of disconnected and we're just all in this cosmos. God is the source of life and outside of him, there is no life. So when, when Jesus is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father through me, he is saying that I'm the source of life. Come to me, I'm the source of life. And no matter where you look outside of me, you're not going to find life. You might find imitations of life. You might find things that promise life, but it's only in me that you will find life. The life that you and I were destined, created, and designed for, it's found in him. And we can search wherever we want to trying to find life, but it's only found in Jesus. So when he's saying that he's the only way, just so you know, he's not bringing bad news. He's, not, he's, he's giving you the good news. He is pointing you towards the way of life. See, there aren't any other gods that we have in our life. Our money, fame, movie stars, people that we idolize and people that we set up as gods in our life that came for us, that died for us, that want to forgive us, that want to restore our health. So God says choose life because he is life. God cares about you. He loves you with an everlasting love. And I promise you that when you do miss the mark, because we all miss the mark, he's not mad at you, but stop excusing missing the mark. I'm telling you, I, 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 it's the thing that breaks my heart about talking about the goodness of God is when Christians who know God and who do love God, 
just continue to dwell in their sin and, and live in sin and keep choosing the wrong things. And they're saying, it's okay because I'm under grace. You're not under grace because the Bible says that sin will not have dominion over you when you're under grace. And God wants you to walk in the life that he has for you so all of the crap around you stops getting in your life. Can I say crap in church? All right. All the crap around you stops happening. God is love. Listen, you can reject that. You don't have to receive that today, but I want you to know the word of God says that God is love. He wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want you just knowing about him, hearing just enough on Sunday mornings to kind of help you make it through the week. He wants to have a relationship with you. It's not about religion. And he allows you and I the freedom to choose because freedom is required for love to work. I have to admit to you this morning that there is a religion called Christianity. That, that Christianity for everyone is not about a relationship, it is about a religion. It, it's, it's not about love, it's about facts. It's about information, it's about doctrines. It's about rules, it's about regulation, it's about performance, it's about trying to do all the right things, because if you do all the right things, then God will do all the right things. But the driving principle in the kingdom of God is love. Just so you know, I'm not talking about universalism, that because God is love, that everyone makes it to heaven, that everyone walks in the abundant life. But God is love. And he said, for his, Jesus said, I am the way because I am the way to life. And what Jesus cares about is that you would live to be fully alive. We, we honestly, as followers of Jesus Christ, we've just begun to tap into what it means to be fully alive in God. Because a lot of times we are, we are eking out an existence. We're trying to survive. We're trying to make it through our marriage. We're trying to make it through these emotional issues. We're trying to make it through our health. And God says, wait, wait, wait. You're more than a conqueror. I came that you might have life and have life more abundantly. So what God's desire is for us to understand that he is life. And because you're in him, you live in life. I mentioned it earlier, but listen, sometimes we have to fight the good fight of faith. There's things the enemy's trying to bring into your life. Sometimes it's our fault, other people's fault, or just circumstances around us. In those moments, we've got to make a decision. God, my confidence is in you. I believe that you are life. So I'm running to you today. I'm not trying to figure this out. I'm not trying to work it out myself. God, you are life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Listen, I can promise you today, because I talk with lots of people, people that are constantly looking for life outside of Jesus. So they excuse, well, I, I think I can do this because I know that God loves me, and I know that God cares for me. And they watch the damage happening in their life. Because you can look for the love and, and the promises of God outside of it and try to experience it elsewhere, but you will never find it because God is love and God is life. And there isn't any way to God but through the life and the love that's found in Christ Jesus. So here's what I think all of us need to do today. We need to reset our mind about the way that we understand God. We need to reset the fact that Christ is life today. He is the way. Listen, again, it's not bad news. It's not. He's actually pointing to you the way of life to show you this is the way, walk ye therein. And when you walk in the life that God has for you, life happens around you. Life happens in you. Life happens in your family. Life happens in your extended family. Some of us keep waiting. Well, if the rest of my family will get their act together, 
right? We need to go ahead and make the choice and say, you know what, I don't care. As for me and my house, as far as it concerns me, what I'm going to do, I'm going to seek after God. I'm going to stay plugged into the life that God has for me. So I want to pray a few things over us today as we kick off this thing of Reset Sunday. And I'm gonna, If you don't mind, would you just bow your head and close your eyes? This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com.